Hey, Ascent Church, I'm Bill Stevens, one of the pastors here, and we are so glad that you guys have joined us online today. Hey, before I get going in my sermon, I want to just follow up with what Aisha had already shared in our vision time today. She talked about all the different ways that we can help serve with Ascent Serves, but let me first tell you a little bit about what we've already been doing, because you guys haven't been around, you haven't been able to see all the work that you guys have been doing to make things happen and to meet the needs in our community. You guys get this. We have had put, been putting bins out in front of our church every single day to collect food. That's why I'm here. I'm an essential worker right now because I come in every day and I put bins out there and then people keep donating food. Here's what's happened. Sister Carmen has come by multiple times to pick up food. Uh, Boulder County Housing Authority has come by to pick up food. The, the uh, precious child, we're going to be sending all of the, we've been taking all the diapers and all of the, the hygiene products and we've been putting them aside precious child's coming by to pick up all of those products and then somebody came in and donated full Easter baskets baskets filled with candy and food and then we brought those down to the refuge it's a ministry down in Broomfield that's working that's that's working with the mobile home parks that are down there and so we brought them down there and Kathy our connection that we have down there then gave them to kids for Easter Sunday man that's the kind of stuff that's happening and we continue to put those bins out because you guys continue to give food and we're going to continue to meet the need that way. So that's been happening. You guys, hospitals, can I just thank every one of the kids that made a sign that we could celebrate and we could thank all of those folks at Avista Hospital. We put signs out in front of there for a week. Man, that's such a great gift. But now other hospitals are saying we would love that for our, for our staff as well. And so we're going to keep making those signs. Kids are going to keep making those signs. You guys, over 50 of you, over 50 of you have signed up to, to do grocery shopping for anybody that's in need. Here's what's been happening. Anybody that puts in a request to say, will you do some grocery shopping for me? That goes to our missions team. Deb Bennett on our mission teams takes that and then sends it off to those 50 to 60 people saying, I'm ready. She says it's within minutes. Within minutes, you guys respond and that need is met. That's the kind of stuff that's happening already. So every single week when you go to Ascent Serves, it's something new. And then we just want to keep you updated on how, what's happening with that because it's pretty cool stuff. This, I love this church and how you guys are so ready to meet the needs. Thanks for doing that. Keep doing that. All right, now let's get into what we're talking about today. I am standing in one of my favorite parts of this entire church. I've discovered that this spot right here is one of my favorite spots because from here I can see the cafe and all the fun that can happen in that cafe when we connect people to people. I can look into the auditorium and know that we're connecting with Jesus in there. I can see our, our trikes right here. Man, that's Jim and my favorite thing is our trikes, man. I turn this way and I can see... All of the stuff that middle schoolers on Wednesday nights when they're jammed in here are playing around with. Our kids stuff over here that Kayla and, and Britt and all the people that are helping with kids. Man, they just have a blast over here. And we're real close to the, to the bathrooms. And to be honest with you, I'm over 50, so i got to be a little bit closer to the bathrooms. I love it right here. I'm inspired right here. But i also got to admit, it's depressing right now right here too. Because I look over there at the cafe and the chairs are on top of the tables and the trikes have been sitting there for a few weeks and it's, it's a little depressing. It's these two things. I'm inspired and I'm depressed and they're, 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 they're hit, banging into each other. And so I, I don't, 
There's something going on there. Well, I, I want to I talk about that today because there's something even bigger that's happening. Just this last week, you guys, we celebrated, celebrated Easter. We celebrated that moment that Jesus went to the cross, went to the grave, and then rose from the grave. And when he rose from the grave, he breathed life and then breathed life into us. He said, man, I have come to give you life and to give it abundantly. And we celebrate that life. We're celebrating that life wins over death. We celebrate that, 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 that love wins. We're celebrating that, that Jesus says, man, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that is today. That's not for some day down the road. His kingdom come right now. This life that Jesus is giving us, we're celebrating on Easter because it's for us today right now it's for eternity and it starts now we have that life but that's met with what we're facing the very next day on Monday it's a dichotomy now see I, I can use a big word every once in a while it's a dichotomy it's it's two two forces that are opposing each other because on Monday we face what we've been facing last Friday and last Thursday and last Wednesday, Tuesday, Monday. We're facing the same thing every day. We wake up to the same thing. It feels like we're putting life on hold. Now, wait a minute. Does not make sense? We got Easter, Jesus breathing life into us and us putting life on hold. Those two, those two things aren't coming together. And to be honest with you, this year was tough for me at Easter. Because as, as much as, as we had the joy of Easter here, but then we had the reality of what we face the very next day, and that's been rough. Well, here's what we want to do. We want to talk about that. I want to ask you, where are you at in the midst of all of this? We're in a series we're going to start this week called, Where Are You At? We're talking about where you and I are at in the midst of, of these two opposing forces. We're talking about where is God at in the midst of this? Jim's going to be talking about this next week. And I love that because God's not afraid of that question for us to say, God, where are you at in the midst of COVID-19? When I ask, where's God at? Where's our prayer life at in the midst of this? Mo's going to be unpacking things like that in the coming weeks. You guys, we want to unpack where are you at? And today, I want to ask you the question, where are you at? Especially in light of Easter, life that is truly life, life abundant, and the life that we face every day, that's what we want to talk about today. Let's pray together and we'll get into that. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the time that we have together. We thank you that you speak to us even through the, the computer screens. We thank you that you haven't left us and now you're using even this way of communicating with each other. That you're using the computer to do it. And I pray that we can, in the midst of our own distractions at home or wherever we're sitting, we can engage deeply in you today. And God, may we take a step closer to you with great hope in the life that you offer us today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, so where are you at? That's the question that we're asking today. And we need to ask it in light of Easter. Because Jesus never, he never uh, intended Easter to be just a spiritual high or an emotional high on one day and then we forget about it. Man, he breathed life into us from that, from that moment he, he was, it, it, the resurrection happened on, he breathed life into us. And so he, we want to talk about it for today. In fact, I was reading a poem once, and, and, and yes, believe it or not, I read poems 
poems every once in a while. And actually, I read, just read a book and it quoted a poem. And the poem said, it, it, basically the gist of it was that, that Jesus said, I, I, he never said, I, I am the I was. And he never said, I am the I will be. He said, I am the I am, which means we're saying he's, he's right here with us today. And he wants to grab hold of this life that we have today. But what do we do about the weight that we are feeling about this day, about each day, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and the stuff that we wake up to that doesn't change from day to day? The setting doesn't change. The couch doesn't change. The little office in your house doesn't change. The Zoom calls don't change. What do we do about the fact that those things aren't changing and we don't know how long that's going to continue to last? What do we do about that? Well, here's what I did. I, I decided to ask a couple of people on staff. I asked Chris Sturgeon and Kayla Maxey. Chris is our connection and growth pastor, and Kayla's the one that does all of our children. She's our children's pastor. And I asked those two, I said, would you guys grab your iPhone in the morning this week, and would you just record what are you facing today? What are you facing right now? I wanted it to be a little bit raw that just goes, man, this is those feelings that we have the first thing in the morning that we just kind of assess our day with. And then I did it as well. And, and so the three of us filmed with our little iPhones. I wanted to show you guys that right now to set us up. This is, I think, what a lot of us face on a regular basis. So let's watch what they put down, what they showed on their phones. Well, we've got one more morning in our global pandemic, and I know today is going to be an especially great day because when I woke up this morning, the little nose piece that's supposed to support my glasses went flying across the room in the dark. And after trying to find it with just the screen of my cell phone in the dark so I didn't wake anyone else up, uh, I decided that was a lost cause. Um, I'm hiding down in the little office where I spend roughly every freaking moment of my day in the same 8x8 box staring at screens that have given me a permanent headache, um, wondering what today will bring. In another about half an hour or so, uh, four and six-year-old are gonna wake up in this house and need to be cared for with two parents who need to care for them, but also need to figure out how to work full-time at home. Um, all while we carry the extra burden of knowing that, um, you know, we have someone in the home who's immunocompromised and has asthma and that the, um, potential repercussions should this virus make it into our house feel higher um, and that feels worse. So it's in these quiet moments when I try to take deep breaths and realize that man it feels like I've got the weight of the world sitting on my chest compressing it and holding it down. So that's where I'm at today. My reality today what I'm facing is as soon as I leave my room there's four kids in this house who need to eat. They need to eat three times a day. Actually, they need to eat about eight times a day. I have a husband who works in sales, makes commission, and is wondering if he's still gonna have a job tomorrow. I have parents in their 60s who live five miles away, who I can't see whenever I want, who my kids long for. Um, I have a job that I'm trying to work full time and honor and do really well while also homeschooling two elementary schoolers, hoping at least one of us doesn't cry every day and keeping two babies alive. My reality is that I'm choosing today to face whether I work out or eat my feelings or start drinking 
at four o'clock for happy hour. My reality has changed. What I'm facing today, that's what I'm facing today. Hey guys, well where am I at today? Um, well, my 21-year-old daughter's in there sleeping and she's gonna wake up to another day of waiting uh, to go get a job in event planning. That's what she wants to do. Not a lot of events happening right now. My son's coming home from Seattle in a month for them to have a baby. Uh, he doesn't even know if he's gonna get in the hospital with them and we certainly don't know if we're going to as well. Um, the word for me, it's been more mental than it is physical. The word for me has just been suspended. I feel like life is suspended right now. And, and you know, I'm, I'm going to work and, and um, it's pretty lonely in there, 50,000 square feet without anybody else in there. Um, Zoom calls, just like you guys, we're getting a little tired of having to talk to each other through Zoom. Um, I just look in the corner all the time at myself and just go, gosh, did I gain 0.3 of a pound again today? Um, it's, it, but for me, in this kind of suspended life, I'm lacking some motivation that I'm frustrated with. I'm lacking motivation to eat right. I'm lacking motivation to spend time with God. I'm lacking motivation to pursue my wife. I've always wanted to pursue my wife, to take her on dates. But I'm, but I'm lacking motivation to do that. It's hard to figure out how, because I'm not a very good walker, especially with a mask on. And, and so, so, you know, I don't go on a lot of walks with her. Um, but for some reason, it's driving me nuts. I'm just lacking motivation right now in the midst of this suspended life. Um, the one thing I did do though is I finished an AARP crossword puzzle. Jim got me signed up for AARP when I turned 50. I finished a crossword puzzle. Cheated four times, but in the end, I got it done. I was pretty proud of that. But come on, Bill. What's going on? I gotta get some motivation. That's me. All right, so life suspended. Can you guys relate to that? Can you guys relate to that feeling of life suspended right now? See, I know that we've got to have a lot of grace in that because that's the way a lot of us feel. In fact, a couple of people came to me and they were saying it almost feels like we're in a grieving process right now. And I was thinking about that. And I'm going, you know what? They're so right. We're in a grieving process right now. In fact, there's a, some psychologists identified stages of grief, and many of you might be familiar with these, but the five stages of grief are denial and isolation, and then anger, and then bargaining, and then depression, and then acceptance. And I looked at those five stages and I thought, man, that is so true with what we're going through in our lives today. That we have a denial and an isolation. We recognize those words for sure right now. And that we have an anger that some of us are just getting really frustrated. And, you're, and you know I'm in that stage and I haven't left that stage. I'm still in the anger stage. Some of us are in that bargaining stage. What can I do? What can't I do? What, what's going to happen in a week from now? Can we bargain our way into, into being able to move forward? I don't know what that's like. We're going to bargain our way. We're, some of us are in that state of depression. Where, where we're just going, we wake up in the morning, we're going, it's no different than it was yesterday. Do I even want to get out of bed? And then it leads us to a place of acceptance. Now, here's the deal, though. When you're dealing with grief, and now you get to this place of acceptance, a lot of times that's a really good thing because it can help us to take a next step forward. But unfortunately, in this type of situation, when you're dealing with the word acceptance, a lot of times... We're just accepting that I'm pushing hold on life. We're accepting, well, I guess this is just the way it is. 
We're accepting that, that, that there's not much I can do about it, so I'll wait until life is better for me to start to move forward again. We're in that kind of acceptance. And, and you guys, that kind of acceptance, I, I hate to say it because, you know, we could be offended by this, but, but I think that what happens to us is we start to wallow in an effortless state at times. We start to wallow. We say, you know what, the, I can't do anything about it, and so I'm just going to not put any effort towards it. It's what I talked about in that video where I said it's my, my marriage and, and it's my relationship with the Lord and it's, it's myself and my body that, that, well, we're in this state of waiting. We're in the state of being on hold. And so because of that, I'm just not going to do anything about it and we'll wait. Well, here's the problem with, when we do this. There's erosion can settle in. And, and, and then from that, bad habits start to settle in. And coping mechanisms start to settle in. That word erosion is a word that, that I've thought a lot about because it's just waves that come gradually coming into shore. I'm not talking about a tidal wave. I'm talking about those waves that just gradually come in and go out, gradually come in and go out. And you guys, we don't, we don't even recognize that erosion is happening. If you're a golfer, you know that on Pebble Beach, the 18th hole of Pebble Beach, man, those waves have come in and come out and it's starting to carve into that fairway. It's making for a harder and harder drive for those guys that get to play Pebble Beach. And so maybe we're rooting for that. But the erosion's happening and we don't even realize that it's happening. I talk about this in marriage. That when you talk, when you look at a marriage and you just go, you know, you don't, when you stop pursuing somebody, when you stop pursuing your spouse, then all of a sudden, it's not all of a sudden, it's gradual, waves of erosion start to happen. And three years later, you look at your marriage, you go, how did we end up so far apart? Well, we ended up far apart because we stopped pursuing each other and erosion took over. See, there's always going to be buildup, building, and there's always going to be erosion and we need building to go more, we need building to be stronger than erosion, but sometimes erosion can win. And when erosion's winning, it pulls us away. It pulls us away from each other in our marriage. It, it pulls us away from me, from me and the Lord. It pulls me away from me in relationships. Erosion can happen in lots of different places. This isn't just a COVID-19 thing. This is lots of places in our life where we start to push hold. Well, then from that, some bad habits can start to form. I've been reading this book called The Power of the Habit, and it's interesting. It talks about how it's a cue, and then a routine, and then a reward. And cue, routine, reward. And it's a spinning cycle. Cue, routine, reward. Cue, routine, reward. And that's the habits that we can form. And sometimes those become bad habits. And when those are bad habits, what happens is we start to learn coping mechanisms to make up for it. Man, you guys know that like alcohol sales right now, or I've heard a stat yesterday, they're up like 300%. And we're looking for coping mechanisms to, to deal with bad habits that come from the erosion that comes from us just saying, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to push pause on life. Jesus steps into this. Jesus steps into this kind of world and he says, man, I'm coming to breathe life into you guys. I, I, I came out of that grave. I breathe life. I'm breathing, breathing life into you. And this is for today. Right now, you can choose this life. Jesus is saying that to us. Jesus is going, man, I'm, I'm, I want, I'm coming to stop the erosion. I don't want there to be erosion. I'm going to build you up daily no matter what's happening. 
There's a passage in Matthew chapter 7 where Jesus says, These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life. They're not homeowner improvements to your standard of living. Easter was never meant to be a homeowner improvement to my standard of living. No, he's saying they're foundational words. They're words to build a life on. They're words to build up. They're words to build life instead of let erosion take over. These are words to build up. Now Paul takes that and he says, Now let, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. He doesn't say let the peace of Christ settle in next to you. He doesn't say let the peace of Christ have a little piece of you. He's saying let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts today. Rule in your hearts. That means, that means man, let the peace of Christ take over. We're talking about a new center of reference the center of reference isn't that couch that you're sitting on every day. The center of reference isn't the 13 by 13 room that you've got that you're using, that you're, you're on. The center of reference isn't the computer screen. The center of reference isn't COVID-19. The center of reference is Jesus who wants to rule in our hearts and breathe life from that point. Man, when I look at COVID-19 and I think about the power of the cross, I'm just going, Jesus is looking at, at, at all of what we're dealing with. He's going, let me breathe life into this. Do not, do, not, do not surrender and settle and push the button that says I'm putting on hold. Let me breathe life into this right now. That's the life that he's offering us. That's the abundant life that he's offering us, even in the midst of what we're facing every single day. You guys... There are videos that are out there that, and, and, and people are loving them because they're saying, man, thank you, coronavirus. Thank you for, for helping me to see my neighbor. Thank you, coronavirus. Thank you for clearing up the environment. Thank you, coronavirus. Man, I love it. Silver linings are always good and it's good to hear to, for people to get inspired by that. But for me, I can never thank a virus that has taken thousands of lives. I can never thank a virus that is taking thousands of jobs and leaving people homeless. I can never thank anybody for that. But what I can do is I can thank Jesus. I can thank Jesus for what, what he has done for me. I can thank Jesus for dying on that cross and, and then rising from the grave and breathing life into me and saying, this life is for you today. Man, I can thank Jesus for that instead of thanking the coronavirus for what the coronavirus has done. Man, that is a new center of reference. Now listen to that passage. Let, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts Man, when we look at that word, let, what is that telling us? That word let is saying we have a choice. We can either let him or we not rule in our hearts. We have a choice and do we want to choose this, choose the rule of Christ in our hearts? And there's an there's a author, Thomas Kelly, that said life is meant to be lived from a center, from a divine center. Each one of us can live such a life of amazing power and peace and serenity of integration and confidence and simplified multiplicity on one condition. That is, if we really want to. Do you really want to let Jesus rule in your heart and breathe life into you even in the state that we have to face every day right now? 
I love what Tim Hansel says. Tim says, if we don't get a, we don't get, he says, we don't get a free detour around the problems when we become a Christian. We get a guided tour through them because now we have a new center of reference and that life is the guided tour through the problem, not a detour around the problem. I was thinking about this from a biblical perspective and I was thinking about all those folks in the Bible that had, could have had the opportunity to, say, to push the button and say, ah, I'm just going to put life on hold. I was thinking about David. When David was running from Saul, man, he could have just pushed the button that says, my life is on hold. I, 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 this is not what I wanted. This is not what I expected. Maybe someday when Saul stops chasing me, I'll be able to live life again. But in those moments, he had a divine center of reference. He still looked to God. And even in his lament, we see that through the Psalms. A lot of the Psalms that David wrote, even in his lament, he's recognizing God is right there breathing life into me. And he's helping me navigate through the problem instead of a detour around the problem. When I think about the, the Jewish people that were in Babylonian captivity, Man, you talk about some people that could have pushed the button saying life is on hold. But God tells us through the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 29, he says, build houses and make yourselves at home. Put in gardens and eat what grows in the country. And I love this. He says, so that you'll thrive in that country and not waste away. See, God is looking at them saying, look, I don't want you to put your life on hold. I want you to thrive and not waste away. And that's what he's saying to you and me right now in the midst of what we're going through. He wants us to thrive and to not waste away. So build up in your marriage. Build up in your relationship with others. Build up when it, in your, in, in, with yourself and your own bodies and what you're doing. Build up. Don't let that erosion take away. I don't want you to waste away. That's what God is saying to us. The person that I think of more than anybody else in the Bible is Paul. Because you guys, Paul wrote a bunch of those letters. He wrote some of those from a prison cell. And you heard Chris Sturgeon say earlier that he's living in this 13 by 13 box and that's where he's doing all of his work right now. I mean, Paul is living in a box. He's in a prison cell. But he writes this letter to the people in Philippi in the midst of that. He writes this letter and he says to them, he says, look, you can choose joy and you can choose the life that God has for you. And I knew that that was what Paul was writing. So this week I decided, in the midst of what I shared from my video, I decided I was just going to read some of what Paul wrote to the people in Philippi. And I started to underline and highlight those things that were so inspiring to me. You guys, listen to what he says. He says, I, he, he says, I feel sure that the one who has begun a good work in you will go on developing it in, in Philippians 1.6. That means he's still working on us. We're choosing that life and he's working on us. You might not feel that way at home right now, but he's working on us. He says, I want you to see your lives full of true goodness produced by the power that Jesus Christ gives you. The power that he gives you in the pray, to the praise and glory of God. He's given us power. We feel powerless right now. And man, do we feel more when we push the whole button. But he's saying, I've given you power. He says, make sure that your everyday life is worthy of the gospel of Christ. Man, it's not someday. He's not saying someday make your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. He's saying every day, today, come on, live this out today. It's worthy of the resurrection power of Jesus from Easter this last Sunday. He says, he says, delight, I love this, delight yourselves in the Lord. He wrote this from prison. Delight yourselves in the Lord. It's a great safeguard to your souls. 
Man, Paul knows Jesus cares what's happening deep within. And he's going, delight in the Lord there. Take hold of that life there. The abundant life that he's breathing into you there. Let him rule in your hearts there. It's a safeguard, a safeguard to your soul. Man, that's building up, man. That is building up. He says, I keep on going, grasping even more firmly the purpose for which Christ grasped me. In prison, he's got a purpose. In our lives right now, he's saying, you've got purpose. Right now, you've got purpose. And then he says, delight yourselves in God. Find your joy in him at all times. Find it. That's a promise he's making. Find it. It is there. Now listen to what he says at the end, man. He summarizes it all. I love this. He says, I'm summing it all up, friends. I say to you, do your best. This is advice to us. Do your best by filling your minds and meditating on things true and noble and reputable and authentic and compelling and gracious. He's saying, fill your mind with, I love this part, man. Fill your mind with today for you. For me, I got to hear this today. Fill your mind with the best, not the worst, the best in your kids, the best in your marriage, the best in your circumstances, the best in you. Fill your mind with the best, not the worst. Fill your mind with the beautiful, not the ugly. And man, I need to hear that. I, I'm a CNN and Fox News watcher, and I watch way too much of both of those. I want to get, a, I want to get both perspectives. I, wait, I, I waste way too much time doing that. Fill your mind with the beautiful, not the ugly. Things to praise, not things to curse. And he says this. He says, put into practice what you've learned what from me, what you've heard, and here's, here's Easter, what you've saw and realized that's Easter what I've seen and realized is a love and a grace and a life poured out for me that I have the choice to let rule in my heart he says then do that and God who makes everything work together will work in you his most excellent harmonies I'm not even a music guy but I want to be part of the most excellent harmonies that God's working in Man, pick one of those things this week. Practice one of those things this week. Best, not the worst. The beautiful, not the ugly. Practice one of those things. Read through that and see where that takes you as we grab hold of that life. I'm going to finish with this. Gordon MacDonald says this in a book that I love. He says, it's, it's at the center that we begin to see Jesus Christ in all of his majesty. At the center, he commands attention as the risen Lord of life, and we are compelled to follow after him and draw from the strength of his character and his compassion. It's at the center. My prayer for you and me is that tomorrow, while we face the same things we face today, I can lean on the life that's given to me from the time that Jesus spent on Calvary. And when he came out of that grave, I want to lean on that life that he breathes into me. And maybe it will fill me some, with some more gratitude, like the word that's on, on Aisha's shirt from, from the time that she shared with us today. Maybe it'll share with me. Maybe it'll be more gratitude when I get complaining. Maybe it's going to give me some more grace when I get impatient. Maybe it'll give me some more confidence when I start to lose hope. Man, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Grab hold of that life today. Father, we pray that you would bless that. We pray that you would help us to grab hold of, of life that is truly life, an abundant life. 
And God, when we face the same weighty things that we face tomorrow, and we feel that, that temptation to push the hold button, God, help us to see you and life in you and help us to grab hold of that life, find purpose in that life, and find great peace in that life that we have with you. We thank you that you don't leave us alone and that you are with us in it. It's in your name we pray. Amen.